Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CDL Podcast channel. In this episode today, um, I'm sure you guessed it, we're going to be going over COD Champs 2022. The Vanguard Champs was absolutely insane. It was a super entertaining weekend of matches. Um, LAT obviously came out on top going back-to-back. Before we get into that, we've got a little bit of news to cover, uh, and if you're on YouTube, be sure to leave a like, comment your thoughts on the weekend down below, and subscribe. Uh, we have something else I want you to comment on uh, if you get to the end of the video, so comment on that. And um, if you're on the audio platforms, be sure to drop a follow on there, drop a five-star review. And really, before we get into the news, I also want to thank you guys for 600 subs. Uh, just a couple podcasts ago, I was thanking you guys for 500 subs, and now here we are at 600. Um, the support on the Champs Prediction video was absolutely unreal. Um, it was like around 2,500 views, um, over 100 likes for, I believe, the first time. And then a bunch of new commenters, a lot of support, a lot of people offering their predictions, getting some good debates going in the comments. So I absolutely loved that. And um, it's unreal. I didn't think that we were going to hit 500 subs when we did. And all of a sudden we hit it. And then out of nowhere, we gained like 100 subs in, in a week. And we were at 600. So thank you guys so much for the crazy support. We've seen so many new people um, showing love and showing support um, on all platforms, really. So I want to thank you guys so much for that. Um, and yeah, it's been unreal. I hope we can keep the support going, but we know we're getting into the dead time of Call of Duty. We're going to have like at least a, a three-month period where we're probably dead and don't have much to talk about for CDL. So I'm just going to try to find stuff to talk about and, and stuff to put out for then. But I hope you guys enjoyed the Vanguard season and enjoyed the podcast, and I look forward to keep it going. Um, so before we jump into champs, let's jump into a little bit of news. There's nothing like major, but um, like obviously the all-star teams were announced this weekend, MVP, Rookie of the Year, some viewership stuff. Champs peaked at 275,000 viewers. Um, and averaged 104k honestly that's a pretty solid year i believe it was like in the middle um from 2018 through this year it was like the middle i actually couldn't believe um i believe it was 2019 because 2018 would be world war ii um and then 2019 would be bo4 2020 mw um 2021 obviously last year with cold war and then 2022 obviously this year with vanguard i believe vanguard was like in the middle in terms of like peak viewership and i think black ops 4 was the lowest which shocked me because i know people may have differing opinions but to me from World War II through um, this year with Vanguard. Black Ops 4 is like clearly the most fun to play and most fun to watch, in my opinion. Uh, people obviously might have different opinions, but for me, it was the most fun to watch and play, so I couldn't believe that it was the lowest. Um, and then I believe the highest peak was actually MW, which shocked me because I think that was the worst to play and watch of the five games. So that's a little odd, but um, 275,000 viewers as a peak is honestly pretty good, and 104,000 average is also very good. So that, that was good to see, especially... Um, when people kind of all year have been talking about how poor of a game Vanguard has been, it's it's good to see that still around Champs time we get some great viewership on the matches and Call of Duty is still uh, alive and kicking very well. So that's good to see. Um, MVP and Rookie of the Year were announced. To me, there was really no debate for these. Stellium wins MVP, Pred wins Rookie of the Year. Really, probably the only debate for Stellium would be Dashy, and uh, obviously the third candidate was Kenny, which, I mean, if we could have like seeing the future and knowing that Kenny was going to win champs MVP and champs is included. I guess maybe you could definitely include him in that because you won MVP at two events. So I can see where he'd be included. But I mean, just through major four, Kenny probably shouldn't have been an MVP candidate. I mean, he had a great stage four, but other than that, before that, he really was having a mediocre at best year. Um, obviously you guys know I'm the biggest Kenny fan in the world. He's my favorite player, but even he was like, why was I an MVP candidate? Um, Cause he didn't have the best year obviously uh, until right at the end of the year. Um, but really the only debate for selling was probably Dashy. Dashy also had an unbelievable year. I guess like the main argument for Dashy was the fact that Optic won an event and FaZe didn't. Um, and I guess, you know, FaZe had more consistent placings, albeit 
there's also the fact that Dashie's team was moving Illy in and out with his injury and stuff. Um, I think Selium was a no-doubt MVP, though. I mean, Selium was unreal the whole year. I think wire to wire, you could argue he was like basically the best player in the game from start to finish. Um, dude was absolutely unreal all year. I think Selium 100% deserved the MVP, so I'm glad to see him win that. Uh, that marks back-to-back years now that uh, phase player has won MVP because Sim won it last year, and then obviously Selium wins it this year, 100% deserving. I think um, when we look back at Vanguard, we'll say Selium was the best player in the game. Uh, we had guys like Pred step up at moments, and then like obviously Kenny step up at the end of the year, and Dashy um, pretty much the whole year, but also especially in the beginning when he won MVP. But, I mean, across the entire season, Selium was absolutely unreal and super consistent. Um, I felt like we always joke with my friends. I feel like whenever you watch Selium, like, even if you see him at like six and twelve, he's gonna finish the map even at the very least. Like the dude never goes negative. He's just he's just an unreal player. So shout out to Selling for that. And then Pred wins rookie of the year. I also don't think this was much of a debate. I mean, you got some rookies who had some good seasons um overall, but to me it was it was clearly Pred. Sib was probably second, but it was definitely Pred for rookie of the year. The guy was unreal, and then especially towards the end of the year at stage four three really not stage four uh, they were off on stage four but in stage three when he absolutely took over and won mvp of that tournament and then at champs i mean he was one of the best players at champs this weekend and was unreal in stage three when he won mvp so to me it was clear um that pred was the rookie of the year and then the all-star teams were announced the second team was attach sib simp and hydra uh, I don't really have any issues with this team. Attach was pretty unreal all year, even though his team wasn't very good. Sib had a great rookie year. Obviously, Simp is Simp. He didn't have the best year for himself, but um, his down year for him was like better than most people's best years. Uh, and then Hydra, obviously, was still unreal even when New York was awful in the beginning of the year, but then continued it on, so I can definitely see why he deserved to be in there. And then the All-Star first team, honestly, was perfect in my opinion. Um, it was Dashy, Selium, Shotzi, and Pred. Obviously, it was pretty heavily fan-voted, I think, and when Dashy and Shotzi are up there, you know they're going to win because whenever Optic players get put up for anything, they obviously have the biggest fan base, and they always get voted. So um, we kind of knew they were both going to be on the first team. I actually don't think it's a bad thing at all because um, Dashy obviously was the number two in the MVP race, so he should definitely be up there, and Shotzi was pretty incredible and impactful all year. Um, he struggled at times, but was very impactful, and then Pred our rookie of the year, like number one in like every SMG stat category. So um not shocked at all to see him up there. Honestly, this team spawned in a Vanguard with Dashi, Selhim, Shotzi, and Pred. They'd be pretty unbelievable, pretty hard to beat. So um those guys all very deserving. It was good to see that. Um Drazen Simp Beef on Twitter. I don't know how much I want to get into this, but they were kind of going at each other's necks on Twitter. Um obviously there was some beef there from early in the year. I don't know if there's just a lot of trash talk going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Draza's girlfriend got involved, and there's a bunch of drama with her. I don't really want to get into all that, but if you guys are interested, you know where to find it on Twitter. I'm sure you've all seen it, but some wild stuff going on. I love the beef. I love the storylines. Draza kind of came up under Haggy, Parasite's wing, and we know back in the day, Parasite was not afraid to speak his mind and was kind of viewed as like a toxic player. Uh, I don't necessarily know that Draza's like a toxic player or anything, but he certainly likes to cause controversy, which... Hey, I kind of like for the scene. We need guys like that in the scene that are willing to, you know, just say whatever they're thinking and cause some controversy. Some people might not like it. Um, sometimes I kind of look at it a little bit and I'm like, ooh, that was maybe not what I would have said. But hey, he's ready and willing to play like a villain kind of thing, if you will. And I'm all here for it. Uh, we need guys like that because these storylines and this Twitter beef and like um, this extra motivation that gets thrown into matches. Because I'm sure when Simp and that phase roster plays the Thieves roster, if they beat him, there's going to be a lot of trash talk, a lot of body shots. Um, and I really like that. Um, I think that, that that rivalry is really good for the CDL, so I'm kind of glad to see it. Um, and it was pretty entertaining on Twitter to see them go at it as well. 
a uh, little update on like prize winnings all time. Arcides is now the highest earning player of all time when you're just accounting for tournament winnings, which is wild to think. Like a guy like Krim has like what 37 wins and um, Arcides has nine or something. And Arcides has more money just because of the era he came up in with the tournaments being for a lot more money than back in the day. Um, it makes sense too. You would think he'd have roughly the same as Simp and Ibiza, which they're right behind him. Um, but that makes sense because RCDs won a tournament in IW before they were competing, uh, and that would obviously be a pretty big chunk of change. And then they really only had the one year apart um, where RCDs was on Huntsman and uh, Simpid Abizi were on Phase. And obviously they won more money that year than the Huntsman did, but at the same time, uh, RCDs was winning more on E United. They were really always placing pretty well, so he was getting good prize money from there. And it's not like they were like a slouch team with the Huntsman. He, he made some good prize money on that team. So RCDs. The highest earning uh, player in COD history. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of people will get that right. If that was a trivia question, I feel like a lot of people will guess like your Scump, your Krim, your Karma, really the Optic Dynasty, and then maybe some OGs like Clay uh, or even like Aches. But uh, I don't think a lot of people would guess Arceus. I think they would even go to Simp and Ibiza first, but kind of wild to believe. So shout out to Arceus. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, and then last piece, like maybe our first technical like move of a roster mania, if you will. Not really, but bevels was released by lag as their coach obviously bevels probably most known for his run with eg in world war ii where he was kind of a coach mastermind behind their championship run um to a ring in world war ii and one of the most um shocking upsets in champs history so he was released probably a pretty hot commodity on the free agent market i know lag hasn't had much success but let's be honest in mw and in cold war their rosters were not set up for success and then this year they won an event uh, and overall, they just went through some turmoil as a team. Obviously, Gunless with his health issues um, kind of hurt them with him being in and out of the lineup and not feeling the best and having to switch rosters. They win an event, so they did see some success this year, but then obviously bottom out and don't make it to champs. But Bevels, I think, will be a, a hot commodity in the market because I feel like he's been a pretty well-respected coach. Um, he won an event with EG, which was champs uh, in World War II, and then he wins an event this year. Overall, I feel like he's a pretty respected coach and probably has a good chance to, to get on a team uh, next year, even if it's as an assistant. All right, enough with the news. Let's get into champ stuff. I uh, just want to go team by team starting. We usually start from the bottom, but we're going to start at the top this time. We're going to start, spend more time on those top teams um, with LAT and just kind of talk about the weekend for them. Maybe a short blurb on what the offseason might look like for them uh, and just their Vanguard season as a whole and go over these. Don't want to spend like a terrible amount of time on them because I also kind of want to do like maybe like a season recap plus what's next going forward for each team. Um, as we go into the offseason but first team LAT obviously um, they couldn't have had a better weekend they won the damn tournament they won champs Kenny wins MVP to me it came down to their map pool uh, was what won them the tourney that may seem obvious but that truly really is the reason they were basically undisputed best Berlin respawn team um, in the game and also you can make an argument that they were the best Gav respawn team in the game while also being very solid on Tuscan uh, and that allowed them to get basically favorable map sets in every series they played and they just auto veto bow cage which I even said I believe in my my preview video that like as long as they can continue to be very good at Gav very good at Berlin and just good enough on Tuscan to be able to win some maps um, they can auto veto bow cage and it's not going to be an issue for them because they're so good at the other hard points um, and then I think really sticking together Finally getting Kenny to run that sub and then adding Shane to help them out just was great for them. I feel like that really helped them towards the end of the year with their chemistry. I feel like these were guys that 
loved to play together. Like they really wanted to be together where sometimes you see teams or maybe the players don't love to play together. These guys really wanted to play together and they were enjoying playing together. And I feel like they got new confidence from Shane and the role swap and everything. And um, I think them sticking together really benefited them where they were pretty much the only team besides a few that stuck together. Like even FaZe kind of had a role swap between Arceus and Selium. Obviously Optic had players in and out and like pretty much everybody else made some sort of a change on the year. And I think sticking together really helped them. Um, I just can't believe Kenny has had an AR for the better part of like the last three or four years post World War II. The Maddox, I kind of eh, don't really count that. That was like the hybrid gun, but then use an AR for the better part of MW in Cold War. Um, so just wild to think for like three to maybe even four years, if you want to count BO4, he wasn't running a sub. Um, just wild to think because we clearly saw how impactful he can be on that with the uh, with the back to back event wins at the end of the year and back to back MVPs. Um, one thing I will say about this roster going forward is they can so easily translate to any COD, in my opinion, because Draza is legit flex that can use both an AR and a sub. I think he's stronger with an AR, but also very good with a sub for a flex. And Kenny also has the flexibility to pull out that AR. I know that's not what you want to hear after Kenny just switched to a sub and won uh, multiple events, but I'm saying in the case that we've seen in past CODs, um, like in AW, where at times it was a four battle meta. I don't, I don't know that we'll ever see anything like that again, but there are going to be times in, in CODs like this year with Gav where you're pulling out three ARs, and Kenny has probably a better ability than most subs are going to have to pull out an AR because of how comfortable he is with it. And Draza probably has more of an ability than a lot of flexes to pull out a sub with how comfortable he is. And he's run a full-time sub in the past. Um, so I feel like with the flexibility of those two, Kenny being a legit sub that can very comfortably run an AR and Draza being a legit AR that can very comfortably run a sub. I feel like they're so easily adaptable to any COD because I mean, if it's a three sub meta, boom, they're comfortable and they're probably going to be one of the best teams uh, and have the best sub trio. If it's a three AR meta with Octane, Kenny Draz, they're probably going to have um, the best AR meta. And even if it's like a situation like we see in most CODs where some maps are two and two, some are three and one, whatever way, they're going to be able to do whatever and they're always going to be able to translate it. So I really like them to translate into next year unless we see something wacky with the game and it's just odd, but um, amazing performance from them. Shout out to LA Thieves. They were clearly far and away the best team. You know, sometimes it's close, but no, LA Thieves pretty much blew everybody out of the water except Boston for some reason, which is kind of odd. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to Boston, how the tournament could have changed on its head if they were to have lost to them, but just an amazing performance from LAT. Shout out to Kenny. You guys know he's my favorite player, and I was super hyped to see him win uh, a ring finally, and honestly, to see him win back-to-back -back MVPs because these are guys like Kenny and Octane who are always in the conversation for best players to never win a ring. Obviously, Envoy and Draza are incredible players as well, but they're not um, in the scene as long. That's why they maybe weren't mentioned in that conversation, but um, Kenny and Octane were two of the players that when you brought up that conversation, they're always some of the first names mentioned for best players to not have a ring. So shout out to them. They're probably so annoyed that they were in that conversation and they're finally out of it. Uh, phase takes second, um, kind of fitting for the year. That was basically the story for phase is just constant second places. It was honestly overall a really good weekend for them. They just couldn't beat thieves. It was the one team they couldn't beat. They lost to them twice. Um, these were just better on so many of the respawn maps, like the Berlin, the Gavs, um, it was overall just the better team than phase this weekend. And even at the last event, they were just the better team to close out the year. It seemed like in the past with this team and like previous COD titles, it was always such a balanced effort. It felt like Simp was maybe their best player, but Abizi was just dominating as an entry sub. Selium was always consistent. Even Arceus was always consistent. But um, in this title, it just felt like um, Selium was hard carrying, especially at champs. Like he was hard carrying this team. He had a, like a 1.47 or something entering the finals. Absolutely insane. 
Um, like they were saying, going into finals, if he has a monster finals and phase wins, it could go down as the best champs performance of all time. It could go down as the number one KD at a champs um, for a winning player. And then he had a 1.01 in finals, which I mean is obviously not bad by any means. But when he had like a 1.47 or 1.4 something heading into finals to go to a 1.01, obviously means he wasn't playing up to the standard that he was previously in the tournament, which is absolutely no knock on Selium. It's pretty impossible to maintain what he was doing because he was, like I said, putting up one of the all-time great performances heading into finals. Um, but him not being the superhero superhero he had been all weekend, I feel like combined with Simp having maybe his worst finals uh, and event overall statistically really, really just hurt them. Um, Alec Arcides was also kind of inconsistent on the weekend. He had his moments where he was incredible. Like he willed them to stay in that series and finals with like back-to-back one V threes. And he definitely had his moments of being great. I think the people calling for him to be dropped are absolutely absurd. Uh, I can't believe that that would even be a thought. I mean, since he's joined this team, they're basically a lock to make like the finals at every tournament. Uh, in Cold War, they won like half the damn tournaments and won champs. And then this year, they may not have won an event, but in a game that was extremely hard to be consistent, and we saw teams go from winning to last um, to second to last, and like teams just couldn't stick in. LAG won an event and couldn't qualify for champs. Um, FaZe basically made the finals in every single tournament. Um, Arcees is a fantastic player. He's a two-time world champ for a reason. He's been to, what, three champs finals now for a reason. Um, I think, I mean he's he's unreal if, if you think he needs to be dropped that's that's just wild to me uh the only way he would ever be dropped is if this team is just done with each other and doesn't want to play together anymore which does not seem to be the case um but back to the simp point he had a 0.9 overall in this tournament and a 0.81 in finals i doubt that simp ever struggles like that again at a champs until maybe he's way older and maybe is like lesser of a player but i don't think that time's coming anytime soon simp is still like in the conversation for um arguably the greatest player um, of all time in the future if he continues his pace up he could potentially take over that throne you never know um, but a point nine overall for him at champs is just something we don't usually see out of him uh, which is wild to think like this is maybe like one of the worst probably the worst event we've seen from simp at like a major event and a point nine isn't even that bad like a lot of players would take a point nine as a sub like that could be a really solid event if you're if you're playing your role but the standard for simp is set so high it's kind of like young scump like if he had a slightly off event people are like oh my god what's wrong with him like sim didn't even have that bad of an event but for his standards um it just wasn't nearly up to um that par that he always sets for himself where he's just just unreal so i doubt like he struggles or i doubt he struggles like that again um and i hope this team sticks it out because they're just a perfect roster at like any call of duty and even in this one where they hated the game and it was super inconsistent they still found a way to basically have an average placing of second um Seattle take third. Uh, kind of want to start speeding through these a little more, but those are the top two teams. I really want to talk about them more. Um, Seattle take third. What could have been with this team? They were so good at hard point all weekend, but they just couldn't close things out and search and destroy. Pred was unreal. Was definitely going to be the MVP of the tournament if they wound up winning it because the dude was willing them to win. Like that phase series, they probably should have gotten 3-0'd. They really should have lost um, uh, both hard points or they, they should have really lost the control if I remember correctly. Um, but they should have lost both hard points and like Pred made some unreal plays on the Berlin and the Tuscan to just will them to win. Dude was just going off. Um, accuracy really struggled early on the tournament, but definitely picked it up late. And then Mac kind of flipped. He was, he was good early on and kind of struggled on the stretch. They were up 5-4, kind of like the Thieves thing with Boston, how they went round 11 game one and the whole tournament could have changed for them. Faze were down 5-4 uh, game five to Seattle and Seattle blew that lead versus them. Um, 
I was really pissed when that happened because that would have made me eight for eight on picks um, through the first two days, and I would have had a chance to win that best bracket. Um, but obviously, them blowing that 5-4 game five to phase changes their whole tournament. Um, if they win that, they're in winner's finals versus Thieves. Still feel like Thieves are the best team in the tournament, and they would have won. But you know, you never know how things could change if Seattle were to make it to winner's finals and just happen to come out hot that day. We know with a gun skill of uh, a Sib and a Pred, and even if Mac came out firing, he was their X Factor. If Mac came out firing, you never know. Maybe they could have taken out Thieves. Um, that's obviously going to be a what if that we'll never know the answer to, but a lot of things could have changed. Um, I think they have to, they, they really have to look at this season as a success though. A success. Jeez. Can't talk. Um, because they were the laughing stock of the CDL the first two years in MW and cold war. They were like awful finished dead last both years. And now they potentially host the highest upside young duo in the league with seven pred, who I believe are both under team control next season. And will be back. Um, any team with those two guys is going to be a problem because they're both legit MVP candidates when they step on the map. Um, I don't want to do too much with looking, but maybe they bring in a guy like Attach. Um, has some history with Mac. I would assume they're probably going to keep Mac because they like him. Um, maybe they look to bring in Attach. Um, maybe they're just going to drop the absolute bag and uh, try to bring in Hydra or something, put Attach and Sib, decide who's your main, the other one's the flex, and then have like a Hydra pred sub duo. Um, little international talent on this team or maybe they keep mac and just bring an attach i think either way that could be very good i also don't think if they just run it back with this team it would be the worst because this team has a ton of talent maybe meshing for a couple years could help them um it'll be interesting to see what they do i i've like i would obviously like to see them keep the sib and pred duo together i don't hate keeping mac but maybe they pick up another sub to duo with pred and a new main ar but um i'll be interested to see what this team do uh does this offseason because i think there's a lot of ways they could go all right and then the team you've probably all been waiting for, Optic, they take fourth. Kind of another what could have been scenario like the Surge. Um, they obviously win a game five round 11 versus Toronto. If that goes the other way, who knows? Maybe they get double first rounded. You never know. Um, and then they got demolished by LAT in that winner's round two. Just an absolute just pummeling by LAT. Um, they bounce back nicely though with a win over NYSL. I think in the past we've seen optic a lot of times after they get, uh, just dominated like that, they kind of get checked out and maybe lose, but they bounce back very nicely versus NYSL and really dominated them and eliminated them. Um, and honestly probably should have won that series versus Seattle, um, in the losers bracket for top three, because they really had that control in the bag, but dashy lines up with scum for whatever reason that two V one and they lose it. And then they blew a 190 to 100 lead on Berlin, which they shouldn't have blown. Um, I don't hate their chances against FaZe if they're to win that in the losers finals because they're five and one against them this year and have had all that success. But I still don't probably think they stood much chance against LAT. Um, LAT were just on fire this weekend. I, I wouldn't fully write them off, obviously, because Optic has a lot of talent. And when a guy like Scump makes a finals and Shotzi and Illy, who have that experience, make a final um, at Champs, um, you can't fully write them off. They obviously would have had a chance, but I believe LAT still would have handled them with how insane they looked. Um, this team should obviously run it back next year. It's kind of a big what if Illy stays healthy kind of year for them. If he ends up staying healthy the whole year, coming off that major one victory, uh, and then basically I think at major two already he was he was feeling the pain of that injury. Um, but if he stays healthy the whole year, you kind of wonder what could have been because they win that first event and clearly look like the best team there, and maybe maybe they're able to cable that uh, carry that out throughout the whole year. Uh, obviously, they probably wouldn't have had like a phase like run because of how inconsistent Vanguard is. Um, a phase cold war run that is because um, vanguard's so inconsistent but i think it probably would have been a better year for them i don't think they would have maybe gotten those six places maybe they would have turned to fourth or higher or something in those other events but um i would be absolutely dumbfounded if they make changes because 
Maybe if it was a different roster, they'd consider it or something, but it's optic. They really don't make changes unless they absolutely have to. I believe Ilya and Shotzi are unrestricted free agents, but there's really, like I said, no reason to ever leave optic. It's the most popular team. It's really a career changer for those players because of the popularity they gain. Um, and this team seems to have a lot of promise if, if they're all able to play the full year. So I don't think this team should change. I don't think they will change. And I think they'll run it back. And I think we'll see them back in that top four team discussion next year uh, in the next title in MW2. Going on to NYSL in fifth and sixth. Honestly, I don't have a ton to say about them. I feel like it was just a good run out of them. I feel like maybe they just ran out of steam because of how hard it was for them just to get to champs with how much work they had to do. They just ran into a tough bracket. I think they had top three potential if they got the right draw and if they were able to take out FaZe, but I feel like FaZe truly were a better team than them, and Optic was also just a better team than them, and that's the two teams they happened to run into basically right away. Um, huge W from them just to have been at champs, though, with the way they started the year. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do. Hydra pretty much might dictate their entire offseason. Like I said, want to save these for separate podcasts, but he is an unrestricted free agent, and they're obviously going to do everything they can to keep him. Uh, I certainly think he'll probably explore all, uh, explore all options and maybe see what other teams have to offer, what rosters they can build, what salary they're going to offer him, um, because New York hasn't really seen a ton of success with Hydra in his two years. They made a couple finals, one in each title, obviously, which are nice, but both years they've had some extreme team turmoil that was probably really hard on him. I mean, last year they had the whole clay controversy where he like benches himself and like takes a trip and they don't know what their roster is and they really struggle towards the middle end of the year. And then this year, obviously they start the year horrendous and they have the whole clay crim drama. And there's just been a lot of drama that he's had to go through since he's been on, the, been on the team. So maybe he's just ready to move on from the organization. I have no idea, obviously, but I can certainly see them also wanting to keep crim. But it could be a situation where Hydra's like, I'll come back if you let me handpick my three teammates that are available. So then things could get interesting. Uh, it obviously all depends on Hydra's relationship with the organization, the other players in the team, and what he wants to do. Because I have a feeling New York's going to basically try to do anything and everything to keep him happy and keep him on the roster. Um, the other team that took fifth and sixth, or fifth slash sixth, was Ultra. Oh, Ultra. Um, I really thought at some point they would just click and make a run to winner's finals or something and take a top three, but I truly just think Vanguard was the worst possible game that could have ever come out for this team. They lose to Optic and Seattle, who once again I thought were probably two better teams than them at this point, but they really could have beaten Optic in uh, round one, obviously, with that round 11. Um, I just think that Vanguard was just really an awful game for them as a team. Um, it was fast-paced and just not structured, which um, they're a slower team that relies so much on teamwork and setting everything up, which is why Cold War was so good for them. They could really use that teamwork, manipulate spawns, and just play together as a unit. Um, and then, obviously, Cami was an absolute superstar MVP candidate in Cold War and just didn't translate that. He wasn't a bad player at Vanguard, but he wasn't an MVP candidate by any means. Um, I believe all these players are actually under contract for next year, so I'll be interested to see what they do with MW2 rumored to be like a slower game again with potentially no slide canceling um, based on what we're hearing. But I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because I can see a world where this team sticks together, but I can also see a world where it's like, man, they had a lot of struggles this year. Maybe they're just done with each other since they struggled so much in hardpoint and everything. And maybe they're just ready to move on. Um, I think Afro is an unrestricted free agent. Maybe if they want to keep the whole Euro thing going, I could see a world where they pick up Afro. They also have Scrappy as a sub on their team. I don't know what his contract's like, but he was maybe arguably the top player in challengers this year, so they could look to bring him into the roster unless they want to keep the whole um, all-EU roster. I don't really know. This team has some options and could definitely see them staying the same or definitely see them uh, making some changes, whether it's with their sub and Scrappy or maybe looking elsewhere. 
All right, and then our two teams that finished last. Boston, the first one. Kind of weird to say since they finished last, but they're sort of another what if. Uh, they took LAT to a game five round 11 in winners round one. The tournament could have been way different if they win that. LAT probably doesn't win the event because, you know, maybe they maybe they would. They're still a great team, but it's hard to win from losers, uh, from losers round one. And Boston, you know, I don't think they win the tournament by any means. I think they probably lose to Optic in the second round, but you never know if they're able to take out LAT, the defending major champs, um, in a game five round 11, carry some momentum. You never know what could happen. They could have made a, make a run to a winner's finals. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they could take out uh, an Optic. And who knows? Who knows what could happen from there? Um, it's champs, so you never know. We've seen crazy things happen at champs. Who knows? They could have made a crazy run. But overall, for Boston, I'd count this year as a success, as a W for them. It was their first year in the league. They came in super late and just kind of had to pick from the players that were left. Honestly, made a very solid roster. They only made the one change on the season. And even like before they made that change with Capsule, they were still having some decent uh, success. They were a team that was always competing. And um, I feel like they gained a decent following as well. And a lot of people kind of gravitated towards their team because they were good on social media and good with content. They obviously signed Doug, which helps with some popularity with his amount of followers, but um, they helped the challenger scene a lot. They threw a full-on challengers event. I feel like Boston um, coming into the league was a very good success for not only them, but also the league because they seem to be a very well-run organization that's really willing to help out, make content, be active on social media, um, really support the challenger scene and also um, very committed to putting a competitive roster on on the map so that was good to see for Boston and then our last team from champs the London Royal Ravens uh, just a very fitting end as bad as that sounds to the season for them they've basically been limping through this year to the finish line since like the end of major one when they were a really good team and then since then they finally showed some life in like the major four qualifiers only to let us down again and then let us down again at champs I honestly think this team had insane talent. I think Afro, Nasty, and Gizmo are all crazy talented young players, and we know Zero is a fantastic player, maybe the the greatest European player of all time. Absolutely unreal player. Um, still has a lot left in the tank, in my opinion. I think it will be a crime if he's not in the league next year again because he was really fantastic this year. One of the best years we've seen from him in a while. Um, but they just need some time to mature as players. I feel like the other three younger guys, they just basically bow out simply because their control in snd was just awful um they really only had two good snd maps so the team would just veto one of them and then they'd play berlin basically every map five which they were horrendous at um they did win a control but it's just they got what reverse swept um no i don't think they got reverse swept because they did end up winning a control um but regardless they they lose two um they lose two game fives, play Berlin in both of them, and they just they just can't win a Berlin. Um, they can't win S&D, um, and they really couldn't win a control for majority of the year. So them them getting double first rounded and just really struggling to win a search and destroy um, was kind of a fitting end for them. But like I said, I think all four players, extremely talented. I think it'll be a crime if they're not all in the league because of the crazy talent they showed. Um, maybe just three young guys need a little time to mature and um, kind of fix their little bit of consistency issues. Um, but that's really it that we had to go over for champs. Obviously, kind of sped through the last few a little bit because they didn't have as much playtime on the weekend and is not, um, therefore, not as much to talk about. But that's going to do it for this one. Maybe you wanted to mention what's next in the offseason for me. Um, it's the worst time of year for the podcast. You all know that. Kyle and I last offseason were scraping for content. We were doing random fantasy drafts or like random all time team drafts or random power rankings and tier lists. Uh, I think we might do like a 
Vanguard tier list, like a final rankings, taking the whole year into account with just the 48 players that were on the end rosters and maybe do a tier list with them. Um, maybe we'll do some more like throwback odd content. Like who would I pick for my roster on this title? Um, I kind of want to do a series where we maybe recap every team and play like GM for them and look into what we could do in the off season, like pick, uh, let's say like breach for, for some reason. And then like, say like, Hey, here are the av- uh, available free agents. According to Ben, uh, Ben Jane, seems little like chart of who's an unrestricted and restricted free agent, maybe play GM for Boston and try to be realistic about what some things they could do is and kind of review their season and stuff. So maybe do something like that each week to kind of get some content out there and maybe not just go dark for three months while we wait for the new COD. Um, I'd still like to get content. So maybe we'll do like a weekly episode of that. Um, maybe we'll mix in some news episodes if some crazy roster mania stuff happens. Um, like we always do may have somebody joining us soon, um, to kind of co-host as we get through the off season and maybe talk about those topics as well as Kyle always, when his life calms back down, um, and whenever he's ready to, to come back, hopefully for the next COD, um, He'll obviously be back right away. So I think I'd like to do that off-season series, maybe like one team per week. Um, that takes some decent time and really gets to the new season. Uh, and off-season COD can be really boring and so dead um, because the game isn't great, so people aren't going to continue to play it. We'll have like throwback tournaments and stuff to watch, but in terms of content for me, that doesn't provide a lot. So if you guys have any ideas, that was what I was talking about at the beginning of the video when we get to the end. If you guys have any ideas for content you'd like to see, please drop it in the comments because I'm going to need those ideas. Um, like I said especially if the season doesn't start up again till like February, like they always do. That leaves me with um, the rest of August, September, October, November. Then we maybe get a little more because the game's coming out. Then December, January, we're sitting at like five to six months before we potentially see any more CDL action. So it's a tough time out here in the off season. Obviously videos are maybe a little less popular. Don't get as many clicks or comments or anything. And uh, the engagement isn't as high because people aren't as interested in the CDL in uh, September after champs, like a month after champs and before the new game comes out, believe it or not. So any ideas you guys have would be greatly appreciated, but that's going to do it for this one. If you guys enjoyed, be sure to leave a like, comment your thoughts down below on champs, as well as any ideas you have for the off season. Maybe we can do a Q and a, if enough of you guys have questions, um, and, um, subscribe. If you're new and you watch this video and you enjoyed it, obviously you guys have been smashing the subscribe button like crazy lately. And I can't thank you guys enough for that support. Um, and then if you're on the audio platforms, be sure to drop a follow, drop a five-star review on there. But like I said, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you guys so much for watching and for all the crazy support in this Vanguard season. And I will see you in the next one as we get into our off-season cycle of content. Thanks for watching, everyone.